Episode of my first time watching. My name's Abby, and I'm here with my friend Cameron. Say hi. Hello, Cameron. hello. My name is Cameron, and I am here to talk about dinosaurs and stuff. Dinosaur. Dinosaur. <laughs> um. So, real quick, um, just to let you guys know, we recorded a really good first episode, and it didn't record my audio, so this is our second time <laughs> trying. Yes, we are. But this is just another excuse to get drunk and talk about sam neill and laura dern so yeah for being honest top of the cup <sighs> yeah that was our that was our practice round now we're doing we're this is second time better but what's the there's no saying huh like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be we could call it like first time watching second time recording yeah there we go <laughs> that'll be like the subheading for my podcast the subheading there we go i'll take it we'll do it so jurassic park is a big it's just a lot. <laughs> um, and so we're talking about the first movie. There's three There's three movies in the original Jurassic Park trilogy, and then there's three in the um, Jurassic World trilogy. Or is there, is there four? They're film- no, they're filming the third one in the Jurassic World one. Okay. As we speak, they're right? filming the third one. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, so... We're doing the original one. It is directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, John Williams composed the music. And I'll just go through the cast real quick. Sam Neill, Dr. Alan Grant. Laura Dern, Dr. Ellie Sattler. Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Samuel L. Jackson as Arnold. Wayne Knight as Nidri. And Richard Attenborough as Hammond. And then um, B.D. Wong as Wu. And Martin Ferrero as Gennaro. Bob Peck as Muldoon. And then the two kids, um, Joseph Mazzello, Tim, Ariana Richards, Lex. That's basically everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the two kids. And the two you kids. know, I'd be interested to see if his name is Richard Attenborough, who plays Hammond. I think he's dead. Well, I was I was gonna say it. I wonder if he's related to uh, David David Attenborough, who does all of like the Planet Earth documentaries and stuff. Maybe. Maybe. It could be wrong. It could be just a completely different person. They just be, happen to have the same last name. But that would I think be kind of cool, cool, though. Like in the same kind of like wheelhouse, I guess. Yeah. Earth and dinosaurs. <laughs> Earth and dinosaurs. Same thing. Same if you think thing. about it for long enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll get into this more later, but um, it won three Oscars for Best Sound, Best Sound Effects, and Best Visual Effects. It is to, uh, not enough Oscars, in not my enough. opinion. Only not enough. Well, okay, I was I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I didn't realize how many Oscars it won and how successful it was. Dang. It like won the most Oscars like ever one year, and yeah, it's incredible. I love him. Um, I love Peter Dang. Jackson too. Um, all, all I'm saying is, if I was on the committee, and Jurassic Park, like they were like, oh, how many Oscars should it win? Just all of them. All of them. Best actor, I mean, there's best actress. The supporting act, the supporting actor goes to the T Rex, obviously. Yes. Um, what is it? Mr. DNA would be best actor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, weird. Okay, so, um, it's based on a novel with the same name by Michael, still didn't figure out how to say his last name, I'm going to say Crichton, Michael Crichton. I think that's a safe, Crichton, safe way to say it. He wrote the screenplay, too, for the film, and also David Coop um, helped out with that. Um, okay, so before we get into it, do you remember your first time watching Jurassic Park or your first experiences with the film? So if I recall, my first time watching the original Jurassic Park, mm -hmm. it was like New Year's Eve, and I was like probably nine or ten, and we were at my grandparents' house, and they had like a giant old, like one of the giant old TVs that like a big box, and one of the VHS tapes was Jurassic Park, and fun fact. And I think we, we talked about this before, but my first Jurassic Park movie was actually Jurassic Park 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we were like, it was like the same for you, mm -hmm. maybe because that was when like we were able to like, like it was on DVD first. So it was just available for yeah. us. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, as we were growing up, I think, because it came out, let me because it came out around the time when we were kind of, like, aware of movies, I guess. So it's yeah. like, you're going to watch that one first. Like, I could be able to retain some information yeah. after watching this movie. Rather than just came out in 2001. looking at it. So, I guess when that one was on TV, we were, like, wa like we could watch it, I guess. Like, when it, like, because usually, like, when movies go into TV, it takes, like, a year or two. So we were probably, like, six or seven watching that for the first time, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is interesting. And yeah. then, yeah, so I had the same experience. Like, I watched Jurassic Park 3 first, and then I kind of backtracked. But then I didn't watch The Lost World until, like, I was, like, 14. So. Oh, I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even watch Lost World for a long time. Mostly because I just couldn't find anywhere to watch it mm -hmm. growing up. But, yeah. yeah. The Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic Park 1 I have solid, fond memories of. Yeah, I remember that one, too. I remember, yeah, we talked about it before, but my favorite scene is Jurassic Park 3 is when he's, they're on the on their way to the island, and then Dr. Alan Grant has that dream on the plane. <laughs> he turns, his friend turns into Velociraptor. Yeah, he's Alan, like, Alan, 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 wake up, and he just, like, Alan. Out. <laughs> one of my, one of the scenes I specific, I distinctly remember from Jurassic Park 3 was the part where they're trying to get back on the plane and everyone's like running into it. And then one guy is like super bloody and he's on like the runway and he's like, don't leave, yeah. don't leave. And then the Spinosaurus just comes and then a whole bunch of blood gets on like the front of the windshield and they just couldn't see and they crash. I remember that part. That part haunted because me. Because that movie is, I think that movie is the most bloody out of the first, like out of all three of them. Yeah. World, I don't remember. I could be wrong. I haven't revisited it in a while, but I don't remember that one having that much like gore. But Jurassic Park three has a lot of blood. Oh yeah, they really yeah didn't hold out. Yeah, and yeah. So, w how old did you think you would say you were when you saw like the first Jurassic Park? Then, uh, I would say I I would say like probably nine or ten. Yeah. Like, I was young enough to not, like, understand, like, the full story and mm -hmm. to pick up on, like, more of the plot points of it. But 
old enough to like remember the most like iconic moments from it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember like the Velociraptor scene, like being terrified of that, and I remember being scared of the giant T Rex, mm-hmm. and then being like, "Oh shoot, there's a Triceratops." And she was like, "That's cool, cool." Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I remember that stuff. I think yeah, I was around the age during middle school. I think. No, I think I was younger. I think I was like fifth or fourth grade because I just remember watching it pretty young, but seeing Jurassic Park three first and not understanding how the like the way it worked, like what order everything was in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I I grew up going to Universal a lot too, around that age. Um, I didn't bring this up the last time, but so I was always on like I always went on the studio tour. So they have all the cars out there. For, like, all the films. So they had, like, the car, yeah. like the vans from the first one and then the second one. And then they had it for the third one, too. Like, actually, I don't, I don't know if there was a car in the third one. But they had, like, the original cars of the first two ones. That's so cool. And you'd see them on your way to, like, the Fast and the Furious section. Like, when they actually did, like, the <laughs> race car track thing with the fire. Not the lame thing <laughs> that they have now when it's, it's all, like, 3D. It's so dumb. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing the cars there, too. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And they would have, like... The little dinosaurs that kill Nidri, they have them yeah, on yeah. the sides and they spray water. The Dilphosauruses yeah. or whatever they're called. Dilfs. And they'd always scare me. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, because like, they're so scary in the first movie. But I think, yeah, my first memories like were very like connected to Universal Studios and then watching it because of that. Yeah. But it scared the crap out of me, though, when I first watched it. Dude. That ride, I love the Universal Studios Jurassic Park ride. That was like, when I went, I was probably a senior in high school or like freshman in college. Mm -hmm. But I remember like, I went on that ride probably like 10 times. Yeah. That was just so much fun. It's really cool. No, I I honestly, the first time I went on it was my senior year in college. Because I was always so scared of roller coasters, even though this one's basically like a bigger Splash Mountain. I yeah. was always scared of, like, indoor rides. I don't know. Like, I just really bad fear of that. But now I'm over it mostly. But I remember going in that one and, like, okay, like, we're in the water. Like, what's going to happen? My biggest fear what's is, gonna like, happen? like, tipping over in, like, a roller, like a ride in the water. There's <laughs> that idea. Like, there's a name for it, like, being afraid of, like, the water. Like, I'm, like, on the algorithm on TikTok. Have you, have you seen those videos of, <laughs> no. like, like, flooded theme park rides? Ocean phobia. Or, like, it's, like, sub-something phobia, but I think I slightly have that, but, um... Yeah. I, I want to go. I want to see. I know that they redid it for Jurassic World. Yeah. It's and I want to go. It is... It... They, like, kind of, like, um, update a few things, but you literally get, like, soaked, like, the first, like, three minutes in. Like, I went in, and it gets you from above, because you're, like, in the tank. You're watching the... What, what's what's the name of that dinosaur? The swimming one? I want to say it's called something like a Mosasaurus. Mosasaurus? Uh, the SeaWorld Shamuosaurus. The Shamu equivalent. Of... Yeah. <laughs> and so they have it. You see it on the sides of the screen, and it's, like, swimming, and then it does a jump, and that water from that splash, like, goes all over you. But it's, like, nobody's <laughs> safe. Like, every single row, you get, like, soaked, and it's, like, totally Get that wet. out of the way. And it's get so the, cool. get the Get the wetness out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else is really good. I honestly, though, I was thinking about it. I don't remember seeing the Indominus Rex on that ride. But oh. I don't know, maybe, like, that part malfunctioned and I didn't see it. But I remember seeing the T-Rexes. They still have the big T-Rex there. And it still scares okay. the crap out of me, even though you can see half of the ro- robotic part of it. 
it still scares me because it looks so real. <laughs> Dude, I got it. Once uh, once this whole COVID nineteen thing is behind us, one of the first places you'll find me at, just hanging out with the dinosaurs in Jurassic World and Universal Studios. Smart place to be, honestly. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Like a side note, yesterday they just announced that they're getting rid of like the Disneyland annual passes. And then today, um, Universal tweeted, and it was so petty, and it was just, like, a little thing from, like, their, like, CEO, basically saying, like, we would never do that to you. And it was oh. so like, oh, we, we love our, our loyal, like, guests and fans, and we're excited for it to open once, like, everything's okay. And it was just so petty, and I'm like, only Universal would do this, like, try to get <laughs> like, you have Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. But it's just funny how, like, they're all openly like that. Um... But yeah, so theme park is great. If you haven't gone there, you should go to Universal Studios when everything's okay. Underrated, I think. High recommend. High they recommend. Have really well, like done rides, even though they have a few, and so it's like quality over quantity for me. I think. Mm-hmm. And Universal is like a, like a example of that. Like Transformers is crazy but fun. Like that fire part, and you literally. Scared. Transformers is hilarious. Is really. I want a bunch of my friends. You just make fun of the ride the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then the mummy ride scares the crap out of you, goes backwards. Oh. So if you don't have a phobia oh. of that, don't <laughs> do it. Um, and then I love the minion stuff. I love the minions. I'll, I I claim I like the Simpsons stuff. The Simpsons stuff is really fun too. All it, it, it seems are, like it just seems like so cartoonish in like the real world. I just I love that aesthetic. And the donuts, I'm really good. The pink ones. Ooh. I always get a big yum. Um, what else is at Universal Studios? This should honestly Universal just sponsor me eventually, so I'll give. Um, Please I love... do a giveaway of like a season pass ticket or something. Yeah, they're Please. making the Nintendo World stuff, so that's gonna be really. Exciting. I'm excited for that. Yeah. That should be cool. I saw a video of the Nintendo World in Japan, and it yeah. looked crazy. Yeah, crazy. It looks really awesome. I'm really excited for what they do here. Hopefully, they do a good job over here. But yeah. yes, so let's get into the movie <laughs> before let's we do talk it. about the park. I'm, I am ready. Okay, so I'll do, I'll go through like the general plot and then we can like kind of chime in, talk about whatever, and then after I'll talk about like the production of everything, but yeah, so we open on Isla Nubar, the workers are transporting a dinosaur, and disaster strikes, so um... So I think when they're transporting one of them, uh, a worker gets killed, and yeah. so, but because of that, John Hammond is being sued, like, due to like ne- negligence and like not having like actual safety regulations in the park. So what he tries makes to sense. Do, yeah, I mean, like you'd want good. <laughs> it's friends. valid. Like a Disneyland <laughs> opening, and then like while it was getting fixed, like someone fell into Splash Mountain and died. You'd want, yeah. you'd want like. Yeah. Uh, the animatronics, one. like, on Small World end up killing a worker. Yeah. There's going to be some... Uh... Just scary. That's a good scary, like, a horror film. Like, is it haunting Small World after that? Trapped at Lost World. Uh, small World. I almost said Lost World. Trapped in Small World. Small <laughs> in Small World. Um, so he's being sued. So he kind of wants good PR. So he um, kind of... How do we say it? Like, he kind of was, like, bribing Alan, Dr. Alan Grant and Ellie, right? Yeah. Because... Um, he shows up to their dig site. Hammond shows up to their dig site. Mm-hmm. And he's basically like, I want you to come and see my park and basically give an endorsement. But what I noticed while watching it, he kind of said like, it was kind of a bribe because he was like, 
oh, if you come, I will pay for the next three years for your dig site to be funded. And he, w- he was already funding the expedition. Yeah. Like there too. So that was like one of the things that I noticed. Yeah. So it did seem like, oh, Blackmail if I... Not real, yeah. but more of a bribe. Extortion? I don't know. It just felt, yeah. It just felt like he was like trying to be like, oh, I pay these people. I'll pay them three more years. And they just have to say my park is cool. Yeah. You know? That's true. And so... Um, so Ellie is a paleobotanist, and then Alan Grant's a paleontologist, and so he kind of, by doing that, he gets them to come to the island with a lawyer, um, which is his lawyer, and, like, kind of just, like, the, also, like, the, the guy who's trying to make, figure out how to make more money out of the park, because you see that throughout the film, like, he, yeah, here's, like, encouraging, um, Hammond to, like, oh, this would be a good way to make some more money, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, we can make lunch boxes and toys and, like, basically out of everything for the gift shop. Basically what Universal's whole plan was to for, like, the actual movie. Like, you just want to make a true, true. and to make the most money. Um, and then also um, coming with them is Dr. Ian Malcolm, iconic, and they're later joined by Hammond's grandchildren, but... Grant is basically there to ensure that the park is safe and um, for opening not dangerous despite like what ha- just had happened with the accident. And then as they enter the park, they see the dinosaurs. Kind of, they're kind of like in shock, like actually seeing them like over the helicopter, like walking across like the island. And I guess that's, that would be super surreal if like us now we were to go and like see like a real life dinosaur. Like, oh, yeah. React? It's just I feel like that's their reaction. Mm-hmm. is basically everyone like would be a good reaction but you also have to think that it's paleontologists who have only seen bones and remains and they've been able to try and like piece together what they think dinosaurs will look like yeah and then they finally see one like in the flesh walking you know like that's just another level of like awe you know to it yeah that's true but like seeing, yeah, seeing it in the like not just the bones, but like seeing it, like like the actual like yeah. flesh and movement and I life in it. Also, like as they are too, I'd be kind of blinded by like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing, and then like not really in that moment thinking about like, holy crap, like what are you doing? Which they'll yeah. get to later, you know, they'll realize. Yeah, yeah. Like within like hours, that this isn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they enter the park. And they kind of asked, um, they're kind of figuring out, like, asking him, like, um, they're asking him, like, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? And then he sends them to, like, a, kind of like a studio tour-esque tour, yeah, of, like, the lab and everything. And this is where we have Mr. DNA, and he's doing the video of, like, how they created the dinosaurs, which is, um, so half of it is from, it's really so, like, so random, too, like, the... It's crazy. It's the mosquito who has, like... What would you call it? Like, what would you call it? Like, has the DNA of the dinosaurs from its sting? Yeah, from like it's a, it's a when it would suck the blood from the dinosaurs, it would have the blood in its abdomen or yeah. whatever. But the thing that I talked about last time, which it was one of the main debunking theories of why this wouldn't work, mm-hmm. from what I've heard, is that. When you try and extract the DNA the, from the blood sack of the mosquito, 
it's very hard to uh, determine what is the mosquito DNA and what is the dinosaur DNA. Yeah. And it's just basically like it's too confusing to figure out which one's which, you know? Yeah, that's true. Which is kind of weird, like, you just, like, just like a lot of movies, you can't really think about it too much, because then you're gonna, like, ruin it for yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's how, like, my mind works when I watch these things, or when I, like, watch a zombie movie, I'll be like, um, no, that's not really how it works. Uh, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> so the doc- the Mr. DNA video is, like, really fun, very, like, Disney-esque, and he's kind of, like, flying around and on the screen. Yeah. And he's, that like, animation thing is, like, so cool, and it does remind me of, like, an old-school Disney film. And yeah. I think that was what, like, they were trying to do. Like, they were trying to compete, or, like, not trying to compete, but trying to, like, imitate Disneyland mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, pretty, like, pretty accurately. Um, So, after, like, they use half of the DNA of, from the mosquito, like, whatever, like, this they have on the dinosaurs, but then also they use half of it as a fr- DNA from the frog, and it fills the gaps in the historical, like, prehistoric DNA. And so they're learning this through, like, this maze, and then they, like, get out. Like, it's so funny, because they they're trying to, like, ask all these questions, and then they, like, push off the little, like, lap bar, and then physically go into the lab, and that's where they meet um, B.D. Wong's character. Yeah. And then that's where you see, like, the eggs there, and you see all the other stuff in the lab for InGen. That part. Cool. That, that was one of the parts where the animatronics and how they pulled off a little velociraptor baby coming out of the egg mm-hmm. blows my mind. Yeah. And it looks it looks so good even watching it in 2021. Yeah. Or I feel like no matter what year you'll watch it in. It just looks so good. Mm-hmm. And it looks so real too. It looks very real. Um, and so after the tour, well, they then they go to dinner and then they're asking Dr. Ham, Hammond like or is he even Dr. I think he is, right? Uh, uh, I forget what... Shoot. Mr. I think it's fine to call him Doctor. Disney Mr. Yeah. He, so after the tour, like, all of them kind of start asking these questions. And they're like, okay, like, um, like, how did... I don't know, like, asking, like, morale questions more, like, after they got yeah. the whole rundown of the lab and how that is actually being, like figured out and then asking him kind of well Malcolm's the one who's asking the questions of like are you really thinking about this like the consequences and then this is where they kind of the high from that their excitement kind of goes down and they realize okay like what are they the kind, consequences yeah. of it yeah and I think one of the interesting things is that throughout this whole movie you'll hear Hammond use the phrase like we spared no expense or like yeah we spared no expense Yeah. but then like in that scene when they're talking, um, I think Sattler, Laura Dern, she brings up a good point where it's like, you brought, you have poisonous plants in the front foyer, but you didn't know that. You just picked them because they looked nice, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of one of the things that they're kind of showing that he's putting up a front, like, yeah, it's expensive and they it's like so pretty and he put a lot of like money into the work and everything but sometimes he'll like cheat a few things to make it look good yeah. you know he's taking all the and that becomes time. yeah and that becomes more apparent when you look at Nidri's character when he's when he finds out he's being like underpaid or something like that yeah. or yeah i don't know 
like, yeah, we should get into that because we totally, I always forget about that part. So in between all of yeah. this, Nidri goes to, I guess he's on the island somewhere else and he meets with this guy and he's trying to sell the DNA to like another, co- like a competing company. Yeah. So he in the, um, in the book, mm-hmm. actually, I read it a oh, long time ago, but one of the big things is that I think there's more, there's a more bigger plot point with the competition Hmm. of a competing company with him and that character that meets him his name's like dod dodson 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 or whatever but he's actually like a bigger character in the book Hmm. that's kind of funny to think but like yeah i would want to read the book to understand all the differences yeah, it's good. I highly recommend it. It's a lot more, I think, scientific on one end, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think it's more like violent and graphic on others. Yeah. And there's some parts too um, where like they switched scenes around. Mm-hmm. Like there's a part in the first book when the, when Grant and the kids, they hide in a cave in a waterfall from one of the t-rexes and the t-rex like opens its mouth and uses its tongue and like tries to find him and then but that scene is in the second movie Mm. where like the whole bunch of like army soldiers they hide under a waterfall and then like a tongue like tries to find them yeah so yeah i like i like knowing like the differences between like the book and the movie this is one of the few like this is one of the few movies where I feel like the movie is equally as good as the book. Hmm. And that's partly in play. Or that's partly because of the author of the book wrote the screenplay for the movie. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was super cool. I didn't know that before you said it. <laughs> Which is really cool, though, just like when you have like the actual writer of the book to write the screenplay, you know, he's like actually caring about it. And he wants yeah. to certain storylines across, which is really cool. Yeah, it's more, like, truthful for what, like, the author intended on how to portray the story, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which is really cool. I do want to read it, though. Um, so, after they're, like, asking... So, uh, Malcolm asks Hammond the, like, kind of, yeah, like I said, like, the consequences of, like, recreating these dinosaurs. Like, like why... Like, uh, first of all, like, why are you doing this? And also, like... Do you understand, like, what, what could happen in the sense of, like, yeah. dinosaurs back on Earth where they don't really belong anymore? <laughs> yeah. And then this is where you kind of get everyone, like, is on the same page. Like, Alan and Ellie are kind of like, yeah, like, this is too crazy because we can't, how, what, you can't really, um, there's no way to expect what these dinosaurs are going to do in this world. Yeah. So really and then, like, with that scene, with that scene, too, the only person on Hammond's side is the lawyer and he makes a joke yeah and he makes a joke about it because he's like wow the only like he's like I thought you three would be the ones to endorse the park but the only one I got is the blood-sucking lawyer and the lawyer like as we were talking before he's the one who's coming up with ideas of how to monetize everything Mm -hmm. but I like the fact that Hammond is like he's an interesting character because he's more like I guess I would say evil or more like darker in the book, but in the movie, he just seems like a genuine guy who he has this idea and he just wants to share it with the world. 
you know? Like a pure, like, you had a pure, like, it, like a... Intention. Yeah, pure intention. Yeah, mm-hmm. pure intention. Because there's a part where the lawyer's like, oh, dude, we can sell, like, tickets for, like, $5,000, $10,000. But then Hammond's like, no, that's not what we'll do. Everyone should have the opportunity to see these creatures, to see these dinosaurs. Like, yeah. everyone should have the opportunity to. Yeah. So that's interesting, you know? You see the difference? It's like, oh, he's like, he's not out for, like, the money of it. Or maybe he's in for, like, the glory or, like, the pride and recognition of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely see that, like, in this film. Like, the more pure intention and, like, at the end, too, you, you kind of see, like, I just wanted to make this fun for everybody. But obviously that's not how it's Yeah, going. obviously. Things happen. <laughs> yeah. And so after they, like, kind of ask him all these questions, um... Like he gets a notif- like he gets like an alert that his children are like his grandchildren are in like the main facility, and his children are visiting, and so which is we like kind of kind of a like a interesting side like story is like the idea of like Alan and Ellie like are they a couple and they made jokes about like not like liking. I think children. they are. I I think they are a couple because mm-hmm. there was a conversation that. Malcolm and Grant have because Malcolm's like hey are you and Ellie like a thing and then Grant was like yeah we are a thing and then Malcolm was like oh I'm sorry I didn't even know like I'll back off like that kind of thing but I remember being a kid and watching it or even like when I was in high school and I watched it and I was like are they together are they just good friends because in the third because in the third movie they're not together yeah Ellie has a husband and she has a kid, but I guess, like, one of the reasons that they weren't a thing, like, they weren't, like, together is because, like, Grant just didn't want kids. Yeah. But then, like, the whole character arc of Grant through this movie is Pointless, wanting kids, yeah. <laughs> or, like, not wanting kids, but, like, coming to terms with kids because he just doesn't play well with children, but I I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like that's also why the third movie doesn't get a good rap because it kind of diminishes like his character like I guess like the whole like character arc of him in the first movie kind of gets erased in the second yeah third I mean um but I hope that in the new movie and maybe they rekindle their romance or something I'm 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 dude I'm so interested in this movie because all of the because it's um Jeff Goldblum Laura Dern and Sam Neill they're coming back for the movie yeah it's like oh I want to know I know, right? I want to know how I, w- I want to know how you treat the characters. I want to know how well yeah. you give them their um, what's it called? Deserve? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> no, Words are hard right now. I may or may not be a little tipsy. <laughs> no, but it makes sense though because like when like say for Star Wars for example, when the new trilogy came out, and then you know that like okay, they said that. Harrison Ford's coming back, Carrie Fisher and um, Mark Hamill are coming back, and you're like, okay, I hope they get like they get their roses or like they get like their like completion of a story, and it yes. was such a bummer for so many people because you're like, okay, I'm so excited for these original characters to come back, but they came back and and then left in such brutal ways, I guess. And yeah. Disappointment, and so I think for me that's why I'm so weary about it because you get because so, that was such a letdown. Like in general, that whole trilogy is like very. Topsy. It's a rough. It's a rough sequel trilogy. Let me tell uh, you that. Three episodes, but like having <laughs> that 
being kind of, like, scared of, like, seeing what happened with Star Wars, and you're kind of like, okay, like, well, these original characters are back in Jurassic Park. I hope it doesn't turn out that way. And, like, I hope that they, like, they really, like, they actually use the character. Yeah, and they stay true to who they are. Yeah, you know exactly. Like, they're still, like, the same people we know in the original movies. Yeah, that's why I'm like I really hope that they do it well. I think they've learned from Star Wars mix- mistakes because it's not it's not a secret how much they messed up. Yeah, you know it's the same. You know, fun fact: it's the same guy directing the move, directing the new Jurassic World movie, who wrote an original screenplay and who is supposed to be the director for Episode Nine of Star Wars. Really. Yeah, but something happened. I don't know if it was a fight with the studio or something, but he left the project. But that's why that there's a there's an alternate script to episode nine mm-hmm. in the world out yep. there. Um, and I heard that one's better. <laughs> I heard it's yeah, I heard it's better. Mm-hmm. So that gives me hope. <laughs> yeah. To be like, oh my gosh. Should be good. I want to see this movie. I know. I wish we could have a redo on Rise of Skywalker. I, I wish we had to redo on a lot of the <laughs> sequel movies, but this is <laughs> yeah. the world we live in. <laughs> yep. Beggars can't be choosers, I guess, in the Star Wars <laughs> universe. So we um so they meet the grandchildren, Lex and Tim, and then we see, like I said, you see that he's kind of wary about the grandchildren. And so it's kind of funny because um Ellie sees that and so she kind of t- like kind of encourages them to harass him more. So it's funny. Used to like being around children, which is yeah, I like those parts too, like those little parts with them, because you kind of get an insight of like their relationship in a way. Like, oh, they've like they've been either been together for a long time or been like friends for a long time, and then are together. Net, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, I want to know more about that relationship. Yeah, it's like the relationships, like one of those things that it's not talked about a lot. Yeah, but it's like heavily implied. And the actors do a good job at making, like, Laura Dern's acting in it, like, w- like when she reacts to him, like, you can just tell there's, like, history yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd be very, it's, yeah, I'd be very interested to see, like, what the actual, like, what their relationship, like, is. But it's just, they, they play so coy with it, and mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. Because yeah. I thought, like, when I was, I, I just thought they were friends. Well, yeah, when I first, <laughs> first like, watched time. it, until I was, like, into high school, I was like, oh, they're just friends. Like, yeah, it's just, like, unrandom. They like, just a lot of people kids, whatever. <laughs> they're, they're just, yeah, they're just coworkers. That's yeah. cool. But then realizing, like, at, like in the nonverbal sections of, like, the film, you can't understand, like, there's a history there. And, you know, so they see, they see the dino on the ground. Like, as, like, they get it. Well, I actually skipped this part. Okay. So after the grandchildren join them, they actually enter the park, and yeah. they hear like the main music, like the Jurassic Park music. Like he's like, "Welcome to Jurassic Park," and then the gates open, and it's this beautiful shot of like the sign, and then you kind of see everything, which is like such an beautiful. The cinematography beautiful. is really good in this film. It has like a good like. It does a good job with like a gravity of situation, uh-huh. or like setting the scene you know it does a really good job with that yeah a lot of the helicopter shots like really like encapsulate like the wonder and like oh my gosh like this is a full-on island with a bunch of dinosaurs like literally yes (laughs) agreed (laughs) um and so they enter the park 
And then as they're like kind of traveling through the park, there's like different sections. And I've never been to Animal Kingdom, but I get the vibes here. <laughs> it's a safari park. Yeah. And so they see the di- the dinosaur on the ground and it's struggling. So Ellie goes to check on it. And so we've discussed that this dinosaur is a what? It's a Triceratops. A.K.A. Sarah from... Um, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah from... Four time. Uh, Land Before Time. For my for non uncultured experts, uh, <laughs> Land Before Time, Sarah, Queen Sarah. And um, this scene I just I remember as a kid, I was like, what the heck? Because it looks so real. Because she gets, like, they feel, oh, yeah. they go on the dinosaur and they feel the dinosaur's breathing. Like that that scene with Sam Neill and he's like kind of hugging her in a way. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving with the breath. And the animatronics are so incredible in this film. It looks, it literally looks real. Yeah. With, like, the technology they had for it. I think this scene is, like, my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah. Because I think it's one of the few times where it's a peaceful dinosaur and the characters are able to, like, interact with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's, like, there's this scene and then there's a Brachiosaurus scene later on. Yeah. But this is, like, one of the first scenes. Mm -hmm. And to see... To see uh, Sattler's and Grant's reaction to it is, like, so surreal. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my gosh. And, it, like, the like the Triceratops, it just looks so real, yeah. you know? All, like, the details and, like, the, like the like scaliness the, of the skin and, like, the yeah. eyes. And, and like, the, the, way it, the way it moves, the way it, like, you, even with, like, the sound design of, like, hearing yeah. it's breathing like oh shoot like that's probably how it would sound like like if i was a kid on that set i would think that's a real dinosaur exactly if i didn't know they were filming dresses <laughs> it's real it's a real dinosaur um yeah and then like also that scene like i always remembered as a kid because she goes through the pile of poop <laughs> and she's just like scooping one through of, it and it goes it has one of the best lines or like one of the best like little moments of jeff goldblum the sexily sexily walking up to a giant giant pile of poo yeah he takes off his glasses folds them puts them in his shirt says that's a big pile of shit (laughs) (laughs) and then you have sattler the laura dern the boss queen she is putting her hands just all through this poo trying to find out why this dinosaur is sick love her which is really cool to see that, like, she's just, like, she's doing her job. Like, this is what she's always wanted. Yeah, she's job. She doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. She gets down and dirty. Exactly. And, um, so they, like, they go through it. And because she's sick. And so I think we'd, like, I should pay, should have paid closer attention to this. But, um, I guess, like, she was kind of asking one of the guys a question about it. Like, the people that work there. And he says, like, this happens to a lot of the dinosaurs after six weeks. And then my theory was, I don't know if I have, like, the actual answers in the film. I just have to re-go back in and watch it. But was that, like, maybe, like, the gaps in the DNA that's filled in with frog? Like, it's not really, it's not substantial, it's, like, not, it's not sustaining the dinosaur, I guess. Like, they keep getting sick. Yeah. It was weird because it was, like, when I was watching it, I was, like, oh, so Sattler mentions that there's, like, a lilac flower or plant Mm -hmm. that is in the area that is toxic to the dinosaurs and Mm -hmm. she was like oh they the dinosaur must have ate that but then the guy's like no they don't eat it 
and that's why she has to go through the droppings to see if there's any remnants but they didn't find any so it's like okay so what is actually wrong with the dinosaur i could actually believe i could i could actually believe that it is actually a problem that they're in a climate that they haven't been in but not that they haven't been in for a long time but that the climate has drastically changed Mm -hmm. with it like being like air pollution or like something in the water or like something that has they just haven't been on the earth for millions and millions of years you know yeah so obviously they're gonna have a rough time with it but i thought an sorry go ahead i was gonna say um another interesting like thing is later on in the movie there's a scene with a brachiosaurus Mm -hmm. and one of the kids mentions like it looks sick and it ends up having a funny thing where it like sneezes on them so i don't know if those two are connected or if there actually like is something that was supposed to be like bigger to the story but i just thought that was so interesting of how there's like the sick triceratops and then they mentioned that the brachiosaurus looks sick too yeah i think there is a connection too like it's not a real dinosaur like a half of it's like genetically modified like it's all genetically modified but then gmos so yeah exactly it's a gmo (laughs) dino and like having half of it like fill in its gaps with like frog dna like that's not gonna be sufficient for them yeah it's for sure gonna be consequences of that and um yeah agreed and so it'll be um it'll yeah i wish like we could learn more about that because like because we don't really see it in the timeline of like how long have these dinosaurs like because they're just left on the island so you don't really know like did a lot of them die or (laughs) like yeah like what is like the lifespan of these dinosaurs yeah but i guess like one of the things that you with the later movies you just find out because i know in the second one and the second movie takes on is set on a completely different island yeah that was like either like a backup island or where they had like their other dinosaur i don't know what the second island was for but then like i guess you just find out that the dinosaurs were able to thrive and the whole life finds a way thing is in play there but yeah like it's a it it's a callback because somehow like they i mean if they were originally here before like everyone else like they're gonna find a way to come back later I yeah guess. technically they'll find a way yeah those um, giant little <laughs> yeah jeez. and so um so yeah so during that time uh malcolm is not malcolm hammond is in like the control room of samuel L. jackson and they kind of talk about how there's a storm coming so like a crazy storm's going to be coming onto the island and during like simultaneously um nidri is trying to figure out like he has a plan to leave the lab to give that guy that like shaving cream bottle of like the dna yeah and so he like he has already planned out this whole like scheme where he kind of puts a virus in the technically i guess you would call it a virus into the computer so that like all the security systems are kind of like malfunctioned yeah um, so that, like, when he's taking the DNA, because it's from, like, a secured area, and so he needs to figure out a way where, like, the cameras don't work, and, like, there's no way anyone can access what he's doing. Yeah. It but. goes from, like, so he has to get into, like, the cold storage to steal the embryos. Mm-hmm. So he has to turn off a specific area of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so he dang it i think i'm too drunk to explain this <laughs> but here's how, <laughs> okay, go here's how he takes he shuts down the security he takes the embryos gets in his jeep mm-hmm. and he enters jurassic park mm-hmm. because he has to get to the docks in time because the whole thing with like the storm is that like the everyone is leaving the island mm. to get away or to get shelter away from the storm. Yeah. But also, where do they go? I don't know. That's one of the parts where you have to hang up your disbelief and be like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, okay, this um, is a good movie. <laughs> so he shuts down some of the main electric fences mm. to the park, which I guess he just didn't know or didn't care that one of them was the T-Rex paddock. Yeah, the, that's kind of funny. Which is, he didn't care. Like, he, he's like, oh, not my problem, but, like... Yeah, basically, like, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my bag. I'm gonna get this bag and head out. Yeah, it's not um, <laughs> So, yeah. But then doing that, they had to, like, shut down... Um, like, like he was the only one to have, like, control of the whole park security system yeah. from it too so yeah. so then it's like oh, we need Nidri. he's the only one who could literally turn everything back on but then they have to do like a whole turn it off and turn it back on see if it works <laughs> yeah so kind of he doesn't really think about like okay what are the, like what are the like nobody i think the overarching theme of this movie is like nobody is thinking about the consequences of my actions mm-hmm Cause like thinking about uh-huh. it, like, he didn't really think about oh shoot like what if like on my way, I get eaten by T Rex like he's just not even who would have known <laughs> right, and so that whatever he does causes them to lose all communication without like the, throughout the park and like like unlocks the gates and everything, and so um it starts raining and Malcolm Ellie and Grant are still in the vans on the tour, and then um this is where Samuel Jackson realizes that all the security systems are down. So it's like in that main um, area with the big fences and the two cars like, like right there. And um, so the lawyers in the car in front of them. So the lawyers in the car with the two kids, with the two kids, yeah. Behind them is Malcolm and Grant in that car. And Ellie is um, somewhere else. She's still working with Sarah, right? Yeah. She went, to, she's with Sarah. She's a, yeah. She wanted, she wanted to stay behind with the triceratops, mm-hmm. which, I think just adds more to her character, which is yeah. so cool. Like she really cares about these creatures. Yeah. Um, and so this is where we kind of get a lot of iconic scenes. Um, and Idri like enters the lab, gets the DNA from the dinosaurs. He leaves the car urgently once he gets the samples, and then they realize during this time they realize that um, the security is breached, and so Samuel Jackson realizes like, oh, I'm like locked out, like I can't get in any of like I can't see anybody. Like, he can't get any con- um, communication with anybody else on the on the land. And, um, and then, bef- and then, oh, sorry, I'm like, let's go, we're <laughs> feeling it. I'm trying to read all this. Uh, so then, <laughs> as they're, like, so the rest of the cast, rest of the characters, they're in, like, the main area where, like, the big gates are. And Tim notices the water moving inside the cup. So that's that's that, that iconic scene of them, like, the him looks, like you hear like the thump, and you kind of see the cup, and it's moving with like the thumps. <laughs> yep. And the scene is like 
it's replicated in so many other like parody scenes. I think it's even like in The Simpsons and stuff, which is so funny. But, That's funny. Um, the Simpsons always recreates like really fun stuff. <laughs> um, so, so I think I'm not sure if it's before this or after this, but we missed we didn't talk about this part. But so they they gave a goat to like the T Rex area to feed the goat. Like they they feed the T Rex yeah. goat. Because they were trying to, like an attraction, they were trying to, like, during when the cars are on the track, mm -hmm. the T-Rex, like, to show off the T-Rex, so they're like, oh, we'll just feed a goat out to it. But then Grant has a line where it's like, the T-Rex doesn't want to be fed, it wants to hunt. Yeah. So they don't see the T-Rex for the first time. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously, when, when it's night and when it's rainy, that's uh, the perfect time to eat a goat, apparently. Apparently. So, also, <laughs> yeah. just it's yeah, the scene is just so crazy. Like how it builds up. It's pretty scary. It's, it's scary. It goes from the thuds, and then it goes to literally the goat being eaten. And the leg falls. Yeah, and then Lex is like, "Where's the goat?" And then the goat leg just <sighs> falls on yeah. top of the which is uh, window of the car. As a kid watching that and then being there, like. I would have freaked out. <laughs> also, it's a it's completely it's completely ironic or ironic funny for Lex. She's a vegetarian. Yeah, and then she that. sees the leg. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and then so they, so then after the like the goat's leg falls through, um, the roof of the car, the lawyer kind of freaks out because I think either now or in a few minutes they'll see the T Rex, but they hear something big. And so the lawyer freaks out, and he runs to the restroom. Oh, yeah. He chickens out. He chickens out. And he leaves the two kids by themselves in the car. Yeah. And then Lex is, like, for some reason, she thinks that, like, why are you going to like why are you gonna get a flashlight and look? Like, you could kind of figure out what it is. Like, I need a better picture of what I need to be afraid of. It's either a dinosaur <laughs> or a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> and so she goes in the trunk, and she grabs this, like, big flashlight, and then, um... She's kind of, like, shining it everywhere, and then Malcolm and, um, Grant are in the car behind her, and then, uh, he's kind of like, what is she doing? Like, turn off the light, turn off the light, because they, they notice, like, they could kind of calculate, figure out the, that, like, there's yeah, something Yeah, the T-Rex is, like, fully out in the open, just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Oh. And, but they're, like, while they're in the car, though, it builds up so much suspense, like, as the audience member, but for them, like, they don't look nervous at all. Like, if they're, no. like, like, there's two children in the car in front of them, and, like, a dinosaur is about to attack them, and they don't look, like, the slightest, like, worried about it. No, they don't notice it, because it was, like, the lawyer runs out, and then Malcolm's, like, or Grant's, like, where's he going? And then Malcolm's, like, well, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Mm -hmm. And then, like, that's, at that point, they, that's when the T-Rex destroys its fence. And yeah. comes out on the track. This is also one of the parts where it's not congruent and it's not consistent with its other like later on because the T Rex is able to like it like walk over onto the track, but then when the car is about to fall or when um the ca car is about to like fall down, it's like way the height difference is like yeah. crazy. Or something like, like that. I'm always confused about the geography of that because then it's just like, oh, exactly, like, over yes, the fence, like all of that, like you, yeah, doesn't totally make a lot of sense. Yeah, like the T Rex should have been way, way bigger to go over, or exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, the, I topog the topography. 
That's yes. a word. Also, fun fact, I think I said this on the last recording, but the T-Rex gets out exactly halfway through the movie. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That's kind of funny, though. That's like a... There's like That's a, just good filmmaking. That's just good. But the main Literally a midpoint. The main guy shows up so much later. Anyway, okay. So... We were at... The flashlight. The flashlight. Okay. Yes. So Which is also it's one of those things where you're watching the movie and it's like Malcolm and Grant have the same thoughts that we have when watching Lex move the light around. We're like turn, turn it off, off turn it off, turn it off turn right it off. now, turn it off. Yeah, so Grant is kind of just saying that like in the car, like to them, like hoping that they'll turn off the light. But she can't for some reason she can't figure out how to turn it off. And she's nope. like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because she's like talking to um oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Talking to her brother and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't turn it off. Um and then so Malcolm and Grant are in the other car and the dino it's crazy because the T Rex starts getting close to the car and then starts kinda like tipping it over. And it's like it's car. trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a cool thing. Like uh, the cre- like it's like a creature just trying to figure out what is in front of it. Yeah, because it well, Grant said something like it's like it is attracted to like movement or like sound or something like it. Yeah, yeah. It like that's how it kind of figures out where it's at, and they so like they flip like it literally flips over the car. The T Rex flips over the car. Yeah. And so this is where Grant and Malcolm are trying to distract it with like lights and like calling. Also, it also completely, the dinosaur, the T Rex, like pierces through the front top of the car uh-huh. and that glass is must be super strong yeah. or the kids must be so just godlike <laughs> to be able to defend themselves from the giant t-rex with just a plate of glass just right in front of them exactly. it's like this like oh uh, it's like wow those kids are strong it should have glass- cracked through it like yeah, the glass it. only breaks, like, on the top half. Like, dang, okay, I see you, shorty. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so Malcolm and Grant are, like, trying to distract it. And then Malcolm is, like, being stupid, like, playing the hero here, kind of, like. Yeah. Well, let me just go over, you know. I, I, I think what would have happened, because Grant comes out with a flare first, and he runs to the car. And he, like, gets the attention of the T-Rex. Yeah. And then he throws the flare. Mm-hmm. And the T-Rex starts to move toward where the flare was. Yeah. But then Malcolm came out and opened his own flare and distracted the T-Rex on his own. So it makes me wonder if Malcolm didn't, like, use his own flare... They probably would have gotten out or at least distracted the T-Rex a lot more. Because he kind of made it worse, right? Like, with, like, yeah. He's just playing. Because he, 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 led, he led the T-Rex to the bathroom. Yeah. And then the that's where the lawyer got eaten up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That part scared me, too, as a kid. Like, so, like, the you see, like, the lawyer in the restroom, in the tiny restroom, and then because Malcolm throws the, the what was it, the flare over to that direction, 
it literally like destroys the bathroom and like breaks it open and the literally. only thing on the ground is like the lawyer in on the toilet and he literally like which, chews him up which is weird because i feel like it was supposed to be a funny moment because the yeah. whole thing goes down and he's the only one and it's like this funny thing where he's on the toilet and he sees the t-rex but yeah. then it becomes completely terrifying when the T-Rex just eats him. Yeah, it's totally scary. And he just, like, and he doesn't really, I guess, doesn't really swallow him whole. Like, he's, like, ha- takes half of his no. and then eats he it. He has to be chewed. Yeah. But compared to the third film, that's, like, nothing. Or the second. No, no, no. So as they're, like, trying to, like, fend off the dinosaurs, so the, the lorry gets eaten. And then during that scene, we see Nidri, and he, um... So he's in the car, and he, does he drop the shaving cream down, like, the... So he needs to get his car. Like, his car eventually ends up getting stuck on the road. Yeah. And so he needs to get out of his car and use the cable to pull his car down to get to the road for uh, to get to the docks. Yeah. But during that time, that's when he encounters the Diplo... Counters oh, Diplo. Dilopasaurus. Dilopasaurus? I'm sure that's what it looks like in the spell check. Dilopasaurus. Or let's just call it Diplosaurus. Diplosaurus, okay. So the Dilphosaurus, <laughs> he meets it, and that's when he meets his demise. Also, fun fact mm-hmm. uh, every Nidri's clothing is a throwback or a reference to the Goonies yes. clothing. Because in the first scene he's in, when he's uh, talking to Dogson, he has Chunk's shirt. Yeah. I didn't know what his second clothing was. I think oh, it's I his think... like scientist outfit. Oh, the scientist outfit? But I know that he has a Chunk reference and then he has a Mikey reference. Mm-hmm. Because with the yellow coat, yeah, and everything. It's really cool because he, um, Steven Spielberg produced um, the Goonies. Yeah, it's all connected. So it was definitely intentional. The Steven Spielberg verse. That's what I yeah. call. <laughs> but um, cool. uh, getting uh, everything about Nidri, his um, he ends up dropping the embryos yeah. when he's being eaten. And, like, the embryos, like, just end up getting covered by, like, mud that just happens to be falling. And yeah. I thought that was interesting. I think Nidri is, like, I think his character is, like, very in, uh, intriguing because he feels like he isn't getting paid enough. So that's why he tries to get, or that's why, like, he talks to a competitor, you know? So it is like one of those things where Hammond keeps saying, I spared no expense. I spared no expense. But then it's like, but then we don't know. We don't know if Hammond was actually paying him enough and Nidri was just like prideful and just felt like he wanted more and more. Or he actually wasn't getting paid enough. Hmm. And then that means that Oh, Hammond is actually being like super cheap with it, you know? Dude, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I wish we could learn more about that. Because that is a big thing. Like, or maybe Nidri yeah. just wanted to like hate the Nidri does seem like a dick, though. Not gonna yeah. lie. 
when he's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang out with him. <laughs> like immediately, you can tell when when they when he's trying to sell that stuff to that guy, and he's like, "Don't say my name." And then he's like, "Dotson, Dotson." Like he's like super annoying about it. Yeah, he's annoying. Yeah, he's annoying. Yeah. Like, he could be just a dick, like wanting more yeah, money. Probably. So. <laughs> probably just that. So then he goes back into his car, and the the Dilphosauruses. Um, are in there and like the passenger seat and this this scene is very um gremlins it reminded me a lot have you seen gremlins yeah it's very yeah. gremlins-esque um i think spielberg might have produced that one too <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's also universal film but like the way like the dilphosauruses like move and they react to him and they see him in the car and then that's they kind of like you could kind of see a personality in them too and yeah like, it does kind of yeah it does kind of remind me of like a dog in a sense and it's kind of funny how he's like go fetch and like the, it goes and tries to find it i yeah. thought that was funny i also thought it was funny how he loses his glasses yeah and he's like trying to find his glasses and he says i don't need them anyway i'll get more when i have more money uh-huh. and the one of the things with the dilphosaurus is is like they'll spray acid mm-hmm. in the face of their prey and try and blind it and then it'll eat it. Uh-huh. So I th- so it would be it's kind of funny to think like oh if he had his glasses he could have been protected from yeah. the spray when it hit his face. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I'm like oh my gosh like if he just had his glasses like he would have been okay. Yeah. But yeah, that scene. No, I think that scene as a kid scared the crap out of me. Then like, then it's like in the passenger seat of a car. That's another like, oh, that's creepy, right? Like kind of like horror esque. Like they're waiting yeah. for him in there. Like they know what they're doing. Uh-huh. And they kind of look at him and think about it, and then they like attack him. And I think that part as a kid scared me too. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm more scared of these little things than the T Rex. Like with their yeah. poison, like they gotta check the back them. seat. Gotta check the back seat for Dilphosauruses. Yeah. And don't have to check the back seat for serial killers, but check the back seat for Dilphosauruses. <laughs> uh, but after that, so he's so it's kind of like the end of that plot line. Kind of like oh, they were gonna sell the information. Yeah. To the competitor, so don't really have to worry about that now. For now, um, mm-hmm. and so what happens? with Alan and the kids is I don't really understand how it happens but they kind of all tip over right or the kids fall over the fence into the car car. yeah eventually Grant and Lex end up on the other side of the fence and into like the actual park and then Tim was pinned by the car and then the T-Rex just ended up pushing the car over into the park as well so that's how like and then the like it was too high one like it's another thing that it was too high to scale so that's why they couldn't go back yeah. the original way so they were like okay we'll just go through the park instead yeah so during that so they kind of fall through which is like incredible how like none of them get like seriously injured during that fall and they're okay in the car it's called plot armor yeah <laughs> honestly and so during this time ellie and the security guy go to where the car was left and this is where they find malcolm and he's like there's like um like parts of the bathroom on him so he's kind of stuck under some like some of the building. debris yeah the debris of it and then they kind of hear the t-rex and so they 
they kind of, I forget what they say, but, like, Ellie, like, they see the footprint of the, the T-Rex, and they see the water moving in it, and that's, like, another iconic scene. It's, and they kind of, kind of, like, conclude that, oh, the T-Rex is coming back, you can hear it's, it. It's funny, because, like, Malcolm is in the car alone, mm-hmm. and then he hears the thuds, which was the same thing he heard before, and yeah. you see his face, and his face is just, like, oh, no, not again. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then that's why he's, like, get in the car. Get in the car. In the car. We gotta go. Car. We gotta go. Right now. And they're we like gotta go. Time. Like, at first, they're not urgent at all. And it's just like, hurry no. up and get in the car. <laughs> hurry up. And then Malcolm's like, we gotta go now. Floor it. Like, do and, it. Run. And that part is really fun because it's, like, so suspenseful. And, like, he's in the back of the car facing the T-Rex as it follows them. And then um, Ellie and Muldoon are, like, in the front driving. And he's like, go faster, go faster because the T-Rex is, like, catching up to them. And it's so, it's, like, so suspenseful. Like, you feel like you're on, like, a yeah. right there. Like, a roller coaster. Yeah. In a way. Oh, my gosh. And it's getting closer, and he's, like, in So tense. Like, just... imagine being Malcolm in that scenario. Also crazy how they're in a full Jeep, and they yeah. can go as fast as they can, and the T-Rex is, like, able to catch up to them. That's crazy. So long, too. And so, that part's really fun. Like, the elements of suspense in, like, each scene are so fun and so well done like you're watching an adventure action whatever movie uh-huh what if it is suspense filled like thriller like it's not just like a oh yeah especially part. especially in later parts in the movie too yeah and so during this time they um so ellie like they all kind of go back and like and um like he's hammond kind of men's Malcolm and helping him putting some bandages on him and this is where you get that iconic scene of Jeff Goldblum in his shirt off and he's kind of posing on the side but I, God bless. Him. I love him so much but Steven uh, Spielberg's gift to mankind yes. was that scene yes that iconic scene of him and his like shirt's kind of buttoned up and he's kind of like posing and it's so funny because I wonder if like when they're filming the scene, like, Jeff Goldblum had, like, all the freedom, and he, like, decided to, like, <laughs> sit on my side. He kind of posed all sexy, and then my shirt had, on my like, side. Yeah. Got, like, buttoned off, and, like, yeah. you just kind of know, like, he's doing it on purpose, like. It was a pose. It was a pose that, like, people do in paintings, you know, like, in masterpiece paintings. Did you but see he, knew, like, he knew what he was doing. You see it at the Getty, or, like, at the Met, or, like, something, like. Music. Oh, Lord. Huh. But during this time, Alan is with the kids, and they're kind of, like, stuck on a tree, and he's kind of, like, helping them, and it's a cool way to, like, see, like, his development throughout, like, in one day of, like, like caring for children, which yeah. is cool, like, you kind of see, like, oh, like... Yeah, and I thought it was, it's a good, like, character moment, because one point, the Lex is, like, he left us, he left us, yeah. and he's, she's talking about how the lawyer like booked it out of the car yeah and like just left the kids she's like they left us and then grant's like that's not what i'm gonna do and grant just ends up like sticking with the kids and i think it's worth mentioning that i don't know what the relationship of what the kids and their parents are yeah because we just know that oh their grandparents or um their grandkids to hammond so it's like, what does that say to the parents of these kids? Like letting them go off to a park to see their granddad that they haven't seen in or however knows how long. Or like, do you but, like, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say like, 
it just seems like these kids don't have like good parental role models to have you know because it seems like their parents are not neglectful in a sense but just like they're not that present like with them you know it makes me feel like also like maybe like they don't really do they let their kid like their kids see their grandfather or they're kind of like oh your grandfather's like a wacky dude like you don't need to yeah yeah it's like in between a bunch of those like not knowing like understanding like why they're doing that yeah so then it's cool to see like he they're like all tired and they're like on like a tree branch like a thick one like they're just sitting there kind of resting and they're all kind of like they're all tired and he's and they're like oh like who's gonna stay up like just in case like anything happens and he's like I'm gonna stay up and like I'll kind of like I'll protect you guys like watch over them and it's so sweet and they're telling jokes to him and like he's really bonding with these kids yeah taking care of them um and so during yeah going back to that and so as they're like stuck on like the tree there they like the the sun like rises so it gets like it's morning obviously and then the kids wake, wake up to the ve- what veggiesaurus that's what they call it, the veggiesaurus the veggiesaurus yeah what's the name of those Bra- brachiosaurus the brachiosaurus yeah and like that's where they see like you said like one of them's kind of sick it starts like yeah like- there's like a cute moment where like they feed it mm-hmm yeah, and then as that's happening, the crew's trying to figure out, like, how to get the power back on. Yeah. And Ellie's, like, super worried, because she's like, where are the like, where is Grant? And, like, and then Mal, yeah. but more Hammond's, like, where are my grandkids? Like, yeah. that became, like, the biggest priority for him. Now that, like, something of his is, like, in trouble, you know, like, he's now understanding, like, the consequences of his actions. Yeah, and, and I like how, I like how the way that they plan to fix it is basically... Let's turn it off and then turn it back on again <laughs> and see if it works. Space station. Yeah. <laughs> like, just simple. So they she goes into the building with Muldoon and they go to like a separate building with like a bunch of the generators and like the switches. They're on and off. And I think this is also one of my favorite. A lot of these scenes are one of my favorite scenes. But this one is because it's like so like fear inducing in a way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In multiple scenes at the same time. So she goes into the building with all the generators and turns everything on. But she's like, it's cool how the scene is set up because she's like in the control room. And of like where all like the power is set up. And so it's one at a time. So you see the list of all the different things that will turn on as she switches them on. And then you see like, okay, like the fence is down there. And at the same time in another scene, it's the kids run like jumping over the fence to get onto the other side to get to, like, the main building. And so she's, like, turning all of these on, and then um, it's it's the boy. Is it Tim? Tim. Tim, and he's, like, on, like, the... He's, like, literally in the middle of trying to jump o- over the fence, and they could kind of hear that things are turning back on, so they kind of hear, like, the fence is wiring back on. Yeah. And then Tim's freaking out. He's like, I know I can't jump over, I can't jump over. But, like, he needs to because he's going to get electric yeah. if he does it. It was funny because it was like, Tim, jump, Tim, jump. And then Tim's like, I can't jump. Or, like, or he's, like, about to jump off. And then, like, Grant's like, I'll catch you. And then he's uh-huh. like, I don't trust you or something like that. Yeah. But it's such a scary also, moment. Also, a little before that scene, ultimate dad joke of Grant walking up to the electric fence. Uh-huh. And then Tim and Lex are like, is it on? Is it on? And then, like, Grant, like, throws the branch on the fence, and he's like, I guess it doesn't mean it's on. And then he grabs the fence, and he goes, like, ah! Oh, yeah, that part and then is funny. He's just, 
faking it like oh it's the ultimate ultimate dad joke right there yeah it's yeah it's a very much dad joke and so he's like about to jump off and they're counting off like one two and then on three he literally gets electrocuted because laura yeah. on the other side has tur- turned it on and that always mm-hmm. that scared me too uh-huh. and i'm like oh my gosh like so every time i ever saw a fence i didn't really realize how fences worked but as a kid, I was so scared of fences that they were all, like, electric. Scared of fences. They could all electrocute you. Like, they didn't, like, have to plug in, I guess. Yeah. But, um. But, yeah, so he gets, like, shocked, and it's, like, how does he not die? He's totally fine. It takes him a while. Like, they revive I know. Their plot armor is thick in this one. Yeah. Um, I also, as a kid, when I watched that scene... I didn't realize that Arnold, Samuel L. Jackson's character, ended up dying. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that as a kid. Because, so, like, they turn the power off, and they turn it back on. But they're like, oh, no, it, it, it doesn't turn on fully. We need to go to, like, the power generator area of the park and uh, turn everything on manually. And then Arnold is like i i can do it it'll take me like three minutes Mm -hmm. and then they realize it take it took way longer and then that's when laura dern and uh muldoon i i I just mix up their actual name versus their character name um that's when ellie and muldoon are like we have to go ourselves and turn everything on so they go out and then like the first thing they see is the velociraptor uh area which you, they see the Velociraptors are out. That just adds a whole nother level of suspense. Yeah. Like, oh my God, Velociraptors are out there. Mm-hmm. We're dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so then terrifying. terrifying. And then they're walking, like there's like a little bit of forest to where the generator places. And then Ellie's like, okay, let's just go. Like, let's run. Like we can just make it there. And the Muldoon's like, we can't. And then Ellie's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we're being hunted. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Like, you don't even, like, as a view, as like a person watching it, you don't even see anything that would like make it. Really? Yeah. They're prey. (laughs) Oh, they're literally prey. And then he's like, we're being hunted. And then he's like, go, run. And then Ellie runs, right? And then she ends up turning everything on. And then when she finally turns it on, she's so happy. She's like, yes, we did it. And there's like, you can see like, there's relief, there's joy, there's like... She's talking to Hammond on the other side saying like, we figured it out. We figured it out. Like there's hope in her voice. And then immediately there's a velociraptor behind her. And And it just becomes pure terror. That whole scene is so scary because then she's like, her back is to like that, like that door, like that gate or whatever. And yeah. And she really reaches out and like, you see the claw and it like, it literally is going for her. She's like terrified and she's screaming. She really sells it here. And then, um, and then she feels an arm on her as she's walking out. She's like, oh my gosh, like Ar- uh, Arnold, we figured it out. And it's literally his like half, like his eaten arm. Like, yeah, his arm eaten floating. arm. And that is like, so scary, too. Like, the special effects of that, too. Like, the bloody arm. Oh, it looked scary. so good. It looked literally real. It is such a scary scene. Because you just see the yeah. pure, like, horror in Laura Dern's eyes. Like, she's terrified. Yeah. Yeah. She and then, 
But yeah, but as a kid, I didn't know that Arnold died. I just thought yeah. like I just didn't know. I just didn't know what happened to him. I was like, where did he go? Yeah, like at the the when I watched it this past week, that's when I realized like, oh shoot, he died because he didn't make it to the helicopter at the end. It's like where, <laughs> is, he? where is he? Oh shoot, he's dead. <laughs> like they, yeah, and so they, and so she like kind of runs out and like is so she kind of runs into Grant eventually. I skipped all that part. So she gets away. She's running. Um, she's running away. And then in that next scene, Mul- you see Muldoon getting eaten by a raptor. Yeah. Trying to shoot oh. one. Yeah. Also, interesting thing. Um, in the beginning of the movie, Grant talks to a kid and he says, or he gives like this imagery of how if this little kid was in the forest when velociraptors were alive, how the kid would see a velociraptor, but he wouldn't be attacked head on. The kid would be attacked from the side Mm -hmm. because there would be other velociraptors with it and they hunt in like a pack Mm -hmm. and like they would attack like from like the flank side. And it's interesting because when Muldoon dies, that's exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. He's aiming for a, a velociraptor in front of him but then he gets attacked from the side, and that's when he says, clever girl. Iconic line, by the way. And he gets flanked from the side, and he gets eaten. Terrifying, by the way. They're scary. Just, yeah, it's scary, and you hear him, and you don't, you don't see fully him getting eaten. Like, there's a plant in front of him, or whatever, but you still picture it, and it's terrifying it's scary like you, the behind him that idea of like there's one behind you and it's been like watching you for a while because it's planning uh-huh. like, oh my gosh velociraptors just scare me a little too yeah. more than t-rex a L- little too much and then you also realize this guy muldoon he is like he was introduced as like the best of the best hunter ever like he would hunt in the safari He'd hunt, like, in, I, I don't know, like, South America or something like that. But he's, like, a known professional hunter. And he got hunted. And he got hunted. That's what happened. That is so... So, cool. there you go. Yeah. No, that, that whole scene, that whole segment of, like, the film is so scary. Like, so much suspense and so much, like, okay, people are actually dying. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so, Tim... On the other side of this, Tim comes back alive from falling off that electrocuted fence, and they go inside the main park building, and this is where they go to the kid, like, they go, they start eating food in the main, like, hall, I guess, like, where all the tables are, connected to the kitchen, and then Alan goes outside, and he finds Ellie, and Ellie's like, run, run, and she's, like, freaking out, because you just saw all this crap that just happened. Uh-huh. While the kids are eating, I love this scene, so the kids are eating, and then they see the shadow of a velociraptor on, like, the mural of, like, all the dinosaurs. And oh, it's, yeah. It's so well done. You're just like, oh, shoot. Like, there's It's quiet, one. too. Mm-hmm. When watching the scene, it's just completely quiet. And you hear, like, the clink of silverware. And you hear them, like, chew and, like, maybe, like, giggle a little bit. And then Lex just, like, frozen in fear seeing this dinosaur shadow. Lex does a really good job, but, like, the acting, she's so scared, and you just see the fear inside of, like, her eyes. Uh-huh. 
It was a really, uh-huh. like a really good job at that. Um, so they. Yep. I am feeling it, by the way. Yeah, I'm I'm in this conversation right now. Focus. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the kids run into the kitchen because it's like the next door, right next to them. Obviously, and, you run into the kitchen and when like being this, threatened. This scene is so like each. I keep saying this to each scene, but each scene is so iconic because this movie is so iconic. It is. It is. This so this whole weird. movie. Yeah. This whole movie set like a precedent. Mm-hmm. for how a blockbuster movie should be. I mean, like, you have so many iconic moments in this movie from seeing the Brachiosaurus, uh, Life Finds a Way, T-Rex, Roar, yeah. Velociraptors in the Kitchen. Like, like, everything is just so, like, hit after hit after hit with this movie. Yeah, it's really good. And as a kid watching this scene, it scared me so much too. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, shoot, if I ever see Velociraptor, where am I going to hide inside the kitchen or something? There's <laughs> also, it's also a thing when we watch this as kids, mm-hmm. we were probably more afraid of this scene because we were relating to Lex and Tim yeah. because we were kids and they're kids, and it's like this is like how. This is us, basically, and what we yeah. would do. This is what we would do in that, like, sense of, like, if that would, were to happen to us. And so they go into the kitchen, and it's so scary, because you see um, the velociraptor looking through the, cir- the circle window, and its eyes mm-hmm. kind of looking out and, like, looking to see if he can see uh-huh. the kids. And then the breath that just fogs up yeah. the hole. And yeah. it's so, like, human-like, and it's so scary. And the kids are, like, hiding behind, like, the big, like, like, one of the big, like, counter things, or whatever you call it, in the kitchen, and they're in the middle of it, like, hiding, and they're so scared, and then you see it freaking open the door, like, the velociraptor knows how to, like, turn the knob to open the door to come inside. Uh-huh, it's, it's smart. Two legs. It's so, smart. It is incredible, and the, the animatronics for, like, the velociraptors are also incredible, and the CGI, like, I think it, for its time, it holds up pretty well, I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely everything. I think everything in this movie holds up. Yeah. Like from the animatronics to the CGI, like it's just like still watching it in twenty twenty one. It's like amazing. Yeah, and so they, they're literally almost about to get eaten by these. Like I think there's like two velociraptors. Yeah, there's two of them. And like they're trying to hide in like the cabinets and just trying to run away from it. And then they escape through another door, and Ellie and um, Alan Grant help them escape, and so they get into the, the main entrance, where they have, like, the huge T-Rex skeleton. So kind of, like, welcome, like, the welcome center of Jurassic Park. Yeah, Island. yeah, yeah. And so they're, like, running, but they're being, like, hunted by vo- a bunch of velociraptors, and they kind of jump on, like, the skeletons of, like, the T-Rex display, and trying to, like, hang on for dear life, hoping that the dinosaur, like, the velociraptors don't eat them. But then, um, the, the, uh, sorry, the T-Rex saves the day, because he comes in, and- The best he, hero. The best <laughs> hero. He comes in, and he eats, like, he, like, obviously, it's funny to think that, like, they're so tiny, the Velociraptors, but, like, they're head-to-head with the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. Which is wild. Which is, which is funny, because in Jurassic World, that's one of the main things. It's that, it's, um- the Indominus Rex mm-hmm. versus the regular T-Rex mm-hmm. and Velocir- Blue, yep. the Velociraptor. Yeah. But, inter- okay, interesting. 
I think it was this weird thing where they mention that there's like a Lysine early, early in the movie. They mentioned there's this Lysine gene of how they um, are able to like control the dinosaurs. Wait, I don't think I'm talking about the right thing. No. Okay, wait. Let me backtrack even more. I am I am drunk right now and I can confidently say that. So they talk about like shooting the dinosaurs or ending up killing the dinosaurs. And then Hammond is like, no, we won't we don't do that. Like we will avoid every precaution before we kill the dinosaurs. And then it becomes a thing where Sam Neill and Laura Dern, like they're when they're being in the um the main control room before the velociraptor comes Mm -hmm. and it's like oh we need to like shoot this velociraptor and then hammond's on the phone with him and then he hears the gunshots and then hammond is almost like screaming like no and it's interesting because it's like oh is he screaming no because their lives are in danger or is he screaming no because they're trying to kill the velociraptor which is basically like his, he takes a lot of pride in the dinosaurs because he mentions that like he was um, present for the birth of every dinosaur that is in the park. So it's like he almost sees them as like his children, I guess. So I don't know. I found it interesting. I don't know. I could be wrong. But it just felt like it it felt like he valued the dinosaur's life more than their life, which is saying something. No, I think that's for sure. Like you can see that like you can see how he kind of his priorities aren't really in check throughout the film. Like he's more concerned with preserving their lives than like he he's obviously a little concerned about his grandchildren. But you can kind of see throughout the film, like, he doesn't really, he never thought about the consequences, so his mindset isn't on. Yeah. His mindset is like, oh, like, these dinosaurs, like, these are my creation. And yeah. It's kind of hard to, like, see him as a bad guy, because he seems so, like, gentle in this film, or, like, kind. Like, good intention. Like, his intentions are pure, like we said before. Exactly. So it's hard to feel like, oh, shoot, like, he, he really, like. He really I think he has good intentions, but I think. He is very arrogant, and I think that's the word I would use for him. Yeah. No, I, I feel that too. I agree. So they escape, and they run into – so perfect timing. So the T-Rex is, like, taking care of the the velociraptors, and then the rest of the crew, like, they open the gates, the main entrance, and they jump into the one of the cars and, with Malcolm and um, Hammond, and they go into the helicopter – and then, so it's kind of ironic how the T Rex ends up saving their life, which will happen again yeah. in, in Jurassic World too. Like the T Rex is, in such an odd way, kind of a hero. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, yeah, it's on the food. It's just looking at the food chain of like, okay, like I'm gonna eat these other like carnivores before I eat like these humans, you know. And so it's yeah. not like an intention. Like it's not purposely <laughs> saving. Them. I'm gonna save Who you. Who knows why. <laughs> But it's, Would you rather go for the carnivore predator or the defenseless prey? Exactly. And the T-Rex says predator every time. Exactly. And so they escape, and they end up on the helicopter. They barely escape, and they go into the helicopter to leave the island, and then that's where the movie ends. So, yeah. 
kind of crazy, really suspenseful. There's not a lot of, like, there's a few, like, slow scenes, but most of it, like, towards the end is all action and all, like, really intense. It does, yeah. I think the movie does a really good job of building up to all of its suspenseful scenes. Yeah. Which, it, it felt like, in a weird way, it didn't feel like it was forced. It just felt very natural. And it felt like, this movie felt like it would, everything that went down the way it did yeah. would happen in real life. Yeah, exactly. Especially in Lost World, too, when thinking about, like, when they end up in San Diego and the dinosaurs are roaming there. And I oh, yeah. Thinking, like, it's pretty <laughs> realistic. Like, the way they they handle these situations, like, when they're, st- like, they're creating the story. It's like, this feels like this would actually happen if they showed up today. Yeah. Which is terrifying, because that's the last thing we need now. Dinosaurs <laughs> roaming the earth. But, yeah, so that's the film. That's Jurassic Park. Incredible film. Um, really fun. Super intense. But now, I guess we'll get into, like, some of the fun facts and the trivia of it. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. I love some fun facts. Tell me some fun facts, Abby Sue. Okay. So, this film was released in June 11, 1993. Budget was $63 million. It became the first film to gross over $500 million through its theatrical release. And then Ooh. ended up grossing up to the a net of $1.6 billion. So, it held, wow. yeah, it held the highest record for highest grossing film of all time until, of course, Titanic came around. Um... And so Universal Studios had, like, a field day with this. Universal, like, in general, as, like, a company. Um, so before um, Michael Crichton's um, novel was published, four studios put bids on, for like, for the film rights. So Universal Studios won it. Well, Steven Spielberg won it because he had the backing of Universal Studios because Steven Spielberg has worked with Universal Studios since, like, Jaws. And, like, that was, like, the first yeah. the blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. Probably before that too, but yeah. So he's always had this partnership with Universal Studios, and it's worked out pretty well. Um, Spielberg acquired the rights for one point five million dollars before it's pub- like before the actual book's publication in nineteen ninety. So it's really smart of them to catch this like the book and the story before like anything comes out about it. You know, so they got it. Yeah, that's smart. And it's kind of interesting to see like how all these studios looked at the book and knew that it was going to be a hit. And how they needed to make it into a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's telling. And so, um, Crichton was hired as in a for an additional five hundred thousand dollars to adapt the novel for the screenplay. I think he got like a mi- something million dollars from adapting the screenplay, though. In the end. Oof. But he fully like he mostly big did, bucks. Yeah, he got like jackpot though because he adapted the novel for the screen, and it's cool. Just like you said, like having the actual like writer of the book make the screenplay and then yeah co-op was wrote the final draft and then it kind of with his like edits it kind of left out most of the novel's exposition and violence and made a few more changes to the characters um i think that like we talked about how like jeff goldman wasn't supposed to like live or something in the original book. so i think uh the lawyer in the book the lawyer ends up living uh-huh. but dies of dysentery in between the first and second book Hmm. uh hammond ends up dying in the first book from uh 
some of like small like smaller dinosaurs and then i know that uh lex and tim like their ages are switched so lex is supposed to be the younger one but tim the more older one so those are some of the few differences um that i found i think it works out for lex to be older yeah i think it yeah i think it worked out too uh, so yeah, so they, let me change this to it. I want to read it so I can kind of, like, nail down all, like, the changes. It's a really good book. Yeah, I should read it. Uh, so, Universal, they took a lot of time to create the strategic marketing plan for the film, and their marketing campaign cost $65 million, and Whoa. it included 100 companies to mark, to make, um, uh, 1,000 products for the, for the film. So this included video games, a toy line, McDonald's, dino-sized meals, and a novelization for young kids. So I think they had, like, their own little comic series. Heck, yeah. Which is really cool. Like, I think still now they have that. Um, and then Universal Studios Parks, um, they all have a Jurassic Park ride. And it, it cost $110 million to create. Dude, that's insane. Well, considering those the are just they made, though. Yeah. yeah oh, they, oh, they definitely make that money back. Yeah. That's just, dude, it makes so much money. Because it's just, I feel like Jurassic Park is just the main source of content for dinosaurs. Yeah. Arguably. You're going to get. Arguably. That, really, yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. But, um, so they, so Universal Studios, like Hollywood, created the Jurassic Park ride, and then the attraction was replicated by. Universe Studios Japan in 2001, and then Islands of Adventure in Orlando, Florida. So they have multiple attractions dedicated to Jurassic Park in Florida, of course. You should have more. I know. And it's cool. I really want to go just so I can go on all these rides. So they have a ride include, um, including Jurassic Park River Adventure and a bunch of smaller rides. Ooh. And then Universal Studios Singapore opened in 2010. And they have a theme zone named The Lost World, and it consists of mostly Jurassic Park rides, such as a roller coaster, a canopy flyer, and river and a river rapids. That's so cool. So that like that must be fun to have like a whole park, you know, Universal Studios. Dude, Hollywood, you get, like, they do it better. You kidding me? They do it so much better. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's like for California, it's like oh, we got a gift shop. That's cool. But then Singapore is like, do you want to go on this like whole canopy ride? Yeah. Through Jurassic Park? Like, yes, I will take that every and, single time. Like, at Universal Studios now, um, the last time I went was, like, right before COVID hit with my, my family. And my sister and I got a drink from the, it's called Isla New Bar, and it's right outside of the ride, and it's, like, a tropical uh, Um Funny. It's, the drinks are really good, though. They're really fun. But, yeah, so, like, obviously, like, Universal didn't mess around with capitalizing on what they can make with the whole IP of Jurassic Park. They got they got that bag. And then especially when Jurassic World came out, like a whole new boom and a whole new like amount of new yep. you as a kid you get to like experience Jurassic Park from the beginning in a way, you know? Yeah. I agree. But it's weird yeah. I think that the I, I think the Jurassic World movies are they don't really hold they no, what am I trying to say? They don't really compare to the Jurassic Park movies. Yeah, there's no. Is way. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like the Jurassic Park, at least the first one, is just so iconic, and is so good 
that it's hard to follow up. I guess we can we can go like we could have gone into more of this, but like the production of it and like the animatronics and like how Industrial Light and Magic helped with like creating all like Dude, effects. I wonder. This is one of the thoughts I have that keeps me up at night. Okay. <laughs> where, where in the world are those animatronics now? Now, like where like, do they put them? <laughs> where do they put them? Where is the triceratops where is sarah Sarah, where Where is (laughs) where's my queen (laughs) where's the queen where are those eggs with the velociraptors coming out because i do not i don't believe they were recycled i think they were like they have to be kept like some like in a museum or like or maybe like the actors took them or maybe like steven spielberg has them Steven Spielberg, the replica of the T Rex in his house or something. Dude, I that I could I could believe it. I literally believe it. But it's one of those. It's just one of those things where it's like I wonder where they are. You know. Yeah, and it's like a sad reality though. Like when you list, like when you watch a lot of um, like behind the scenes of like big films, a lot of the times they just like trash a lot of their props because they didn't really think anything of it. Like oh, it's fine. true. But now thinking yeah. you're like oh shoot, like I should have kept that. Like that was iconic yeah. legendary so i hope they have them preserved somewhere they have a few things at the parks but who knows who knows but yeah that's pretty much it do you have any like last thoughts about dress park last thoughts yeah dude i just i think the cast mm-hmm. like when they did it at the time it was just like an all-star cast yeah like i think getting like Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum like it felt that these actors were like in their prime yeah Um, the prime for most a lot of them oh yeah and then we mentioned on the last recording but uh Tim is in uh what movie was Bohemian Rhapsody yeah in the band and I never I never knew that He's I so thought, funny. You should follow him on Instagram. His stuff is so funny. <laughs> I I just thought that those uh, the Lex and Tim were just like child actors that just didn't do anything after like Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. also weird. I, I I would be interested to think how much money the actors get like today from Jurassic Park as a franchise. Like, I wonder if they still, like, get a paycheck, like, if it, if Jurassic Park plays on, like, ABC or something like that. And that they get like, money from that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I, like, it, does Laura Dern get, like, a $600, $700 paycheck, like, I feel like she once needs a month? It, but... <laughs> Dude, oh, Laura Dern, she uh, awakened something now. in me when I was, like, nine years old, but <laughs> I don't know what to say. She's in her prime now again. Like she's in so many. No, movies. she's she was in her prime in the nineties, and then like she's still in her prime in twenty twenty one. It's crazy. Yeah. Little Women? You kidding me? She's in Twin Peaks too, and she's in Marriage Story. She won an Oscar. Oh, she deserves the world. Yeah. The world, I tell you, Laura Dern. If you listen to this, at me. I'm sure she's mad. at me. At Nerdy Geek Guy. I'm. Hey. We'll see. 
Yeah, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in this though awakened something in me as a kid, as a preteen. Dude, what what were they doing? Because they knew they that, had to have known. What was in that water in the nineties? <laughs> what was in the water? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Such a good cast though. Such um, a good cast, and then Sam Neill. Um, I don't know if he did. Um, he was a, he's just a really good actor. He's a great actor. You have to watch Hunt for the Wilder People by Taika Waititi. He's yes. That, and it's real. Oh, not such a good movie. And then he was in Thor Ragnarok. He played Odin in the play that Loki makes in the beginning. <laughs> yes. Of like his. Dad. Which is, which is funny because Jeff Goldblum is also in that movie yeah. too, so that's just funny. Um, a lot of cool stuff. He's in like the scary movie called In the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter. It's not that scary. I guess it's like, ooh. but really good. He's stuff. also he's also in a movie called uh, Hunt for Red October, I believe. Was but Sean Connery. Sean, Con- Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. He's a very so actor. He deserves awards. Oh, he deserves so many awards. Love him. Yeah, I love this cast. So good cast. I'm excited to see what they'll bring in the new one. Me too. I'm excited for where they're. Because that was such a lame like part of watching the second Jurassic World because like they hyped up Jeff Goldblum being in it and he's only in like first two minutes of the movie. No, literally, he was in it for like the like yeah, he was in it for like no more than three minutes. And he, I think he delivered the iconic line like "Life finds a way again." I watched. I watched Fallen World, like, once in theaters, and that was it. Yeah, me too. I only watched it in theaters, and I was like, okay, well, yeah. be better next time. Yeah. But then in comparison, I watched Jurassic Park, like, so many times. I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Never gets old. It's a classic. Oh, it can not It can never get old. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you for being on here, Cameron. A second time. Oh, so, thank, you for, first time. thank you for having me. I, I aim to please, and I'm very thankful I got to be on here. Yeah. Uh, it's been a joy. Yes. Anytime I get to talk about dinosaurs and Dinosaur. Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern, dude, I'm in. Yes, we'll have to do more later on. Maybe we'll cover Jurassic World eventually. Eventually, when we get to it, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron, for being on. Thank you for everyone listening. Of course. Thank you for listening. I hope you like this episode, and if you want more Steven Spielberg goodness, just let me know. DM me. Let me know. <laughs> I'm here to please. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, cool. Um, thanks everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.